When we invite worship to wash over us, we remember that we do have the opportunity to keep stewing in, you know, rejection or rebellion or regret. But it's those elements that keep us focused on ourselves. And worship leads us to exalt the Lord. Welcome to the Faith Inspired Podcast by Faith and Gather. I'm your host, Erica Dvorak. Join me and the Faith and Gather community as we become faith-inspired to tackle the messy and embrace the beautiful areas of life. We're going to meet you right where you're at, right when you need it, by helping you live a less stressed, more joy-filled life lived by bold faith and walking in obedience. You have a God-sized calling, but you don't have to choose between your sanity or juggling it all. We'll keep you one step ahead, armed with knowledge to fight your everyday battles and live a life faith-inspired. Because faith is not just a belief, it's a lifestyle. What is the one thing we can do that holds the power of restoration and recovery? Worship. Worship has transformative effects on our lives that lead to a deeper understanding of the amazing God we serve. Liv Dooley is a Bible teacher, podcast host, and writer who loves to talk about the Word of God. In this episode, Liv takes us on a journey through the pages of 1st and 2nd Samuel, highlighting the incredible stories of the people who found redemption and restoration through the act of worship, despite seasons of rejection and rebellion, aka making some big mistakes. Liv and I explore the importance of worship and connecting with God, embracing responsibility for your mistakes, and finding healing in the midst of pain. We also uncover the significance of pausing to worship and pray as a means to finding renewal and how you can apply this principle to address and recover from your past mistakes. Liv's personal experiences, deep biblical knowledge, and passion for worship will leave you inspired and eager to dive deeper into your worship journey. So get ready for an episode filled with profound insights, heartfelt reflections, and practical wisdom on how worship can guide us through any season of life. Hey Liv, welcome to the Faith Inspired Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. I have to say, I love how God works. He prompted me to reach out to you to record the interview at the same time, unknowingly, that I would be reading. I'm reading the Bible chronologically right now, that I would be reading first and second Samuel actually during the time that we're having this conversation. So, how cool is God that He just planned that for me personally? I think that's just amazing. <laughs> I'm so in love with him. I am so in love. He's amazing. <laughs> Isn't he phenomenal? I was like, oh my gosh. I told my husband, I was like, you will never guess. I was just so excited. Like, the Lord is so good. He loves us that much. So I, for one, I'm really excited to have our conversation about that because your book is called Soleil, a study of First and Second Samuel. And so we're going to dive into some things here, there's a lot to dive into in that book and that Bible study, but I specifically want to talk about really the core message of mistakes, 
restoration and redemption and how worship holds the power to restore and recover really if we accept our responsibility for those past mistakes that we've made. So before we do that, before we dive in, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself and really why you chose to focus on out of all the books of the Bible that you focused on first and second Samuel. Oh my goodness, I just love this question. I love talking about first and second Samuel. So I'm so excited. But I am Liv Dooley, and so I really feel as if the Lord has positioned me to help other women in particular really recognize the intimacy and the authority they have in the relationship that they get to enjoy with him. And I do that in a variety of ways through the opportunity to to work with parachurch ministries locally to help connect women to Bible study and community. And I also do that through the podcast that I host, The Best Kept Secret with Liv Dooley, as well as the books that I write, like Selah. Um, and so, you know, I never planned to write a Bible study on First and Second Samuel and I think that just confirms, you know, the goodness of God, the faithfulness, the love that we get to experience in relationship with Him. I was reading First and Second Samuel about five years ago for the second time through a Bible in the year plan as well. However, when I got to First Samuel chapter 1, I just couldn't move forward. There were things that had captivated my attention in ways that I'd never seen before. And it happened when I got to chapter two. And it happened again when I got to chapter three. And so my Bible in the year plan was officially, officially null and void. And I stayed in first and second Samuel for about three years before I even began to set out to publish this study. It was something that had just arisen naturally in my own devotional time as I jotted down different notes and as I began to really research interesting questions that I felt that I had as I read through it. And the more that I discovered about these two beautiful books in our Bible, I just could not stop talking about them. I could not stop preaching and teaching about them. <laughs> Anytime someone asked me about the Bible and I opened my mouth, I would talk about one of these beautiful books in our Bible. And so to have the opportunity to share this study that just means so much to me um, with the world is really, really special. I feel that the Lord used it to help me slow down, to help me meditate on His goodness even when I don't feel good, and to help me recognize a lot of different principles that are so relevant to our life, from everything that has to deal with leadership all the way to the intimacy that we cultivate with Him and some of the cultural things that we choose to adopt and so I just love talking about this book. <laughs> like I said, I'm in it right now and it's so rich. It's just incredibly rich. And in what I have, because I'm reading it chronologically, it interweaves a lot of the Psalms as well because David is in First and Second Samuel and it's just so beautiful. I would love for you to set the scene for individuals who are not so familiar with First and Second Samuel of what is in that book, those stories and those characters, just a brief overview, if you can, as we continue the conversation. Absolutely. So 
There are so many things that take place within these two books. And I think one of the things that drew me here were the transitions that Israel encountered during the period that we read in First and Second Samuel. I was going through my own transition. And so that was something that really resonated with me. But it's here at the beginning of these books that we witness the... Uh, kingdom of Israel moving from a theocracy into a monarchy because they choose to demand a king. And what's interesting is that they say, we want to be like the other nations. And I just find that fascinating because there are so many different times that I've gotten caught up in comparison and not realize that the Lord has actually gifted me with a better Thing. And yet, because of what I see in our culture, I often say, well, I want that. And so we find that it's here that Israel transitions from following the Lord as their ultimate king to inviting a human king to help bridge that gap. And there are issues with that almost immediately. King Saul is chosen as the first king of Israel. As we move throughout his story and all of the many things that he goes through, we see how important it is that we really seek to be leaders who have character. I find that he made mistakes from the very beginning, although we often overlook some of those because it really does require us to have an understanding of what occurred in Judges and what occurred in Ruth. And he really chose to put people above this opportunity to serve the Lord and to seek God's presence. And so as we navigate through his life, we meet this man after God's own heart, who we all know now is King David. And we just really become acquainted with the many areas of struggle that he encountered. I have walked through some of these themes within my own life. And so one of the things that was most interesting to me was that he had a season where he really walked through rejection. Another that really was quite rebellious. And that was even well before he became king. And then a final season where he dealt with some regret. And yet, worship helps to weave every single account together. From those that we read at the very beginning of First Samuel about Hannah, all the way into the end when King David is rejoicing on Arana's threshing floor. As you have already mentioned, worship holds so many redemptive qualities for us. It reminds us that we are connected to the great I am and that when we continue to press into his presence and to pause, despite the pressure that may be around, he continues to bring us back and lead us forward in his goodness and his mercy. Yeah, let's talk about how the first and second Samuel really exemplify the journey of redemption and how that's done through worship itself. 
Absolutely. Uh, One of my favorite, favorite stories is of Hannah. And I think we often overlook many of the trials that she went through simply because she struggled with infertility. As someone who once struggled with infertility myself, I'm about to have my first child and I'm just so incredibly grateful for that. But as somebody who struggled with infertility for years, I began to ask questions of the text because I wondered why on earth would she use the name, the Lord of Heaven's Armies, when she pressed in to prayer. And I find that her choice to worship really was an act of warfare. Women were being abused, um, not only at the hands of just men in Israel, as we read at the end of Judges, and even throughout the book of Ruth, because Ruth would have been a contemporary of Hannah, but also in the church, as we're introduced to all of the abuse that they're encountering in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And so her choice to press in to church, to press in to prayer, and to believe that God will hear her as a woman is an act of undeniable worship that I mean, really supersedes anything that she was going through in her physical body. It was one that the Lord honored, and it was one that truly did set the tone for the rest of the years that would follow. Her son, Samuel, her first son, Samuel, becomes a prophet there. And one of the things that continues to just pull me to his story is how he worshipped, how he never allowed the evil that he was introduced to as he was being raised up in this abusive culture to infiltrate his ability to grow more intimate with the Lord. Worship continues to show us that it has this nature of redemption as he helps to lead Israel into revival and then lead them for a few decades well into his old age. Once Saul comes into leadership, we find that worship wanes. In fact, one of the things that Saul does is really only turn to God when he needs something. And he rarely chooses to, you know, cultivate and strengthen that relationship with the Lord. However, his narrative is really... um contrasted with that of his son, Jonathan, who is easy to see that he is a man of prayer, as well as the emerging future king, David. David goes through so many different times in his life. When he was running from Saul, he experienced a lot of wariness. He experienced a lot of different things that truly did cause him to feel defeated, even though the Lord continued to fight on his side. And he did things such as go and live in the land of the Philistines for a time where he actually served an enemy king named Akish. And at the end of this time, when King Akish and the Philistines rejected him and he grieved that, we find that it was worship that reconnected him to the Father. It was worship that redeemed the calling on his life. And 
His story doesn't get any easier. When we continue to read his biography, we learn that he went through hard things, that he continued to rebel at different points in his life, and yet he never lost the awareness that if he could just pause in the Lord's presence, if he could just lift his hands, even if it meant that he was simply surrendering, that he had no more strength left, then he would be redeemed, that the Lord would draw him back again. And that is one of the most beautiful things in these two books. All the way into the very end, he makes mistakes in his old age and he continues to worship. And so I've separated the Bible study into six different sessions, and each of them draw us back to a different theme of worship. I find that some of the things that worship does is that it invites us to remember. It invites God to war, and it invites us to rejoice. And those are just a few of the examples. But worship truly is a shift that invites us to incorporate it into every single part of our lives, and not just that which we spend in celebration on a Sunday morning together at church. Yeah. Thank you so much. What a beautiful just reminder of what worship can do for us. And when we're talking about mistakes in First and Second Samuel, I think what opened my eyes was we, as the church, talk about King David and how he was a man after God's heart. And a lot of us just view it as that. And we forget that this king was very human. You know, the Israelites had decided to turn away from God as their ultimate king, you know, the ruler that would tell them step by step what they needed to do and choose a human. And Saul to us is like, well, yeah, he didn't really live up to the job because he made all the mistakes and, you know, forgot about God and really only asked of him when he needed him. But for David, he also made many mistakes, as you mentioned, and I think that we forget that peace. So we have both of these kings that are making these mistakes. Can you elaborate on how they really restored, at least King David restored his relationship with the Lord through that worship and how, you know, I think for people who have faced their consequences, have made mistakes and faced their consequences, how they can really have that restoration and that redemption, just like Saul did in certain aspects, just like King David did over and over again. Absolutely. Some of the things that interest me about King Saul's life in particular is that he attempted to force so many different things. When you read about the sacrifices that he chose to make of his own volition, or even those that he withheld from the Lord, we find that he continued to bow to people. And he always refused to repent or take responsibility for that. And his life contrasts with David's uh, in almost every single way, even through the mistakes that they make. Because one of the things that we see in David's life that I believe we can apply is that he takes responsibility. Whether it was the time that he'd seen Dog the Edomite looking at him as he left the priest's and the temple that they had set up there with the bread and Goliath's sword. And as a result, the priests were all assassinated. Their families were all killed by Dog the Edomite. He took 
responsibility for that. And then he repented because he knew that he'd played a part, that he'd rushed, that he had seen Dog the Edomite and he'd not stopped to ensure that the priests would be safe after he left. Whether we're talking about the time that he spent in King Akish's territory in Gath, where Goliath is from, interestingly enough, or the incredible issue that he had with Bathsheba and Uriah, we find that he takes responsibility and then he repents. Nathan, the prophet at the time, did have to come to him with a parable and challenge him by sharing this story of what had happened with a poor man's lamb. And he becomes so incensed that he, you know, condemns this rich man who'd taken the poor man's lamb. And when he discovered that this parable had been about himself, he didn't attempt to justify it, which he could have as a king in an Eastern territory where this would have been something that was customary. Instead, he chose to take responsibility and repent. And so I find that when we invite worship to wash over us, we remember that we do have the opportunity to keep stewing in, you know, rejection or rebellion or regret. But it's those elements that keep us focused on ourselves. And worship leads us to exalt the Lord. Worship leads us to remember that He is sovereign. Worship leads us to remember that He is who we are seeking to serve and not ourselves. And so the opportunity to take responsibility, the opportunity to repent, the opportunity to continue seeking His face in times of pain, whether we have experienced it or we have caused it, is one that truly does help us to remember that we serve an incredible God on a great throne that loves us and that will restore us and that will help us to move forward if we can get our eyes off of ourselves and focus them on Him. I think a lot of times we view repentance in a negative light because we feel that it brings about shame. But when we sit and we stew in regret, we continue to feel shame and sorrow anyway because we're so focused on ourselves. So it's always my advice that we do like King David, that we put it before him, that we apologize, that we accept the consequences because at times there will be consequences for our actions and that we allow him in his justice and in his mercy to lovingly restore us and help us to continue to grow even more intimate with him as we walk in new areas of authority on the other side of that issue once we worship. Beautiful. And I think in that justice piece and that consequence piece, God's still loving us in that because if we don't have that, being a parent and as Liv, you will experience, it's like if my children, if I don't have a consequence for them for doing something they shouldn't have done, they're going to do it again. It's not going to bother them. They're going to have those same, make those same mistakes over and over again. And so I think it's a beautiful thing that God gives us those consequences and that, you know, if we do own up to the mistakes and we have those consequences, that He's teaching us something that is going to help us mature and continue to grow. And so just what a loving God that we have with that. 
I think with worship itself, when people think worship, they think, you know, at church, worshiping, singing songs, but worship can mean so many other things. What are different ways that you can worship the Lord? I love this question because I truly do believe that worship is a lifestyle. And I was drawn to someone today who shared that we are not the only ones who worship, Um, that even those who don't know the Lord worship something. And so my little definition that I like to use is that it's adoration in action, that when we choose to worship the Lord, we invite Him into every single part of our day. That may start with a small little sentence as we acknowledge Him as we get up and say, thank you, Lord, for this day. What do you have for me in this day? Or it may look like something more detailed and much more in-depth as we choose to open our Bibles and sit with the Word and go through various study materials. However, worship also encompasses the way that we treat people as we point them back to the Father. It encompasses the things that we ruminate and think on. It encompasses the actions that we take throughout our day. Because when we choose to elevate the Lord above our emotions, we choose to follow His direction, follow His leading, even when it comes at the expense of something that we may want to do, something we may want to watch that we know just is not good for us. And so it is my hope that through this study, And even as people simply read the Bible, we would begin to see that worship is something that we do every single moment of our lives because it truly does show what we hold dear and what we find our worth in. And I just love how the Lord really does remind us, even in Matthew, you know, that when we first seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all other things will be added unto us. And so worship draws us back to that. It helps us to put everything in focus. And it helps us to remember that even when things don't go our way, Our God is yet good, and He has a plan. Mm, Yeah, so good. And what I was thinking there is that obedience is worship, and I had never thought of it in that way. We talk a lot on this podcast about obedience and following in God's will, and that's a way of worship and worshiping the Lord and how just being obedient to Him and following Him is a way to show that you just love and adore Him, that adoration and action. How incredibly beautiful. Just painted a beautiful picture. Okay, Liv, we've talked a lot about mistakes and redemption and restoration from the Lord. What is something that if you left this conversation and you just didn't say it, that would bother you? What What's something that just is on your heart, whether it's in your book or even that God has stirring in you right now? What's something that you have for the listeners? Oh, goodness. I would share that there is always going to be a reason to keep moving forward. We all experience a lot of pressure day in and day out, whether it's pressure that we've accepted through the jobs that we take on, the extracurriculars that we enjoy fulfilling, or it's pressure that we never recognized we might endure or encounter through sickness in our family or different trials and challenges that we go through. You know, when we turn on the news, we see that there is pressure to 
oftentimes feel depressed to wonder what on earth is going on in the world and where God is in all of it. And I would share that the one thing that really, really just captivated my attention and my heart when I was looking at the differences between Samuel and Eli, or I was looking at the differences between David and Saul, or I was looking at the differences between Jonathan and McCall, was the opportunity to pause in the face of intense pressure will lead us to truly enter into the Lord's presence and find the provision that He has for us in new ways. He is present in all of it, and He has a plan, but that requires us to pause before we choose to do something of our own volition that may further exacerbate the issue. And so I'd like to see more people pause, as I am learning to do, even as we're talking about all of this and as I've been learning to do through these books, especially for the days that are coming ahead. Thank you. And that was, Liv, that was a word for me. So <laughs> thank you so much. I was having a conversation with the Lord today about the pressures and we had some sickness in our house this week as well. And I was just looking around at the craziness that ensues with young kiddos in a home and just was like, wow, I literally in my head, you had said it, but I was like, I never expected this when I became a mom. I just never, like people can tell you what to expect, but when the pressure comes and there's somebody sick in your household and you have to take on everything and you You've got things to do for work and, you know, passions and dreams in your mind as well. And the whatever's going on in the world, all of that just culminating, you know, you never expect it to be like in that season or in that day. And so just that reminder to pause and just, you know, give it to the Lord and, and worship him and have that conversation and let him guide you. Let him be your peace. Let him be your hope and let him guide you is such a, such a good reminder for me. And I know that spoke to somebody else who's listening to this too. Yes, I hope so. So Liv, thank you so much for really being on the podcast here. And I want to give you an opportunity to tell the listeners where they can connect with you and where also they can purchase your book. Oh, thank you so much. You guys can connect with me at livedooley.com. I'm also on Instagram at candidlive and the book is available really anywhere. However, I usually send people to Amazon. I would just love to connect with y'all and you can find everything, including free resources that I have developed as well on my website, livedooley.com. Wonderful. Thank you. And one more question for you. I want to know what brought you joy today. Oh, what brought me joy today? I think waking up slowly, um, praying with my husband this morning and watching my dogs play all before this podcast brought me joy today. So I am feeling really grateful and a lot of joy in these days. And thank you for that question. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. Those special moments and those mornings. Mornings are my favorite. So I understand that. Such joy. A new day. A new day starting off slow is so good. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate you spending three years in first and second Samuel so then I can learn a bit more because God knew on my journey that you would be a part of it in this very, very moment. He's so good in that way. And so thank you for 
just helping me and the listeners really understand worship and how that corresponds with our mistakes and how it can really help lead us to the road of redemption and restoration. So thank you so much. Many blessings to you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. What a beautiful image Liv painted for us. Living a lifestyle of adoration in action allows us to invite God into every part of our day. We need to pause amidst the pressure and find provision in God's presence. So let us remember that worship is a powerful tool that can bring joy and remembrance and invite God to war on our behalf. As we seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, may worship become a guiding force in our lives, reminding us that God is good and has a plan, even during challenging circumstances or our mistakes. I'm so grateful you spent time today listening to this episode. If you were encouraged by what you heard, share the love with other women you know and send them the link to this episode. Just think how many more women could be blessed with faith-inspired encouragement. Love and prayers, Erica. Congrats on saying yes to a life filled with joy and Jesus. If you want more, head to faithinspiredpodcast.com for show notes and links to all the resources mentioned in today's episode. Be sure to subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast platform to stay faith-inspired. And remember, faith is not just a belief, it's a lifestyle. 